What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing? Good morning. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us this morning, let me say welcome. We're so glad to have you during the summer. As Pastor Brian said, when you leave, you get an RC and a cola. Um, it's going to be a good day here. Uh, here at Victory Church, we're about four things, growing, guiding, giving, and going. And I want to echo two things real quick that Pastor Brian just said. First is growth track. We had 10 people in step one last week in growth track. Come on in and give it up. Yeah. And so this week they'll be learning about their purpose and what God's created them to do. And uh, soon they'll be joining the dream team and changing lives. And so, hey, if, if you haven't been before and you want to jump in today, jump in today. You'll be able to do some of that evaluation and find out why God created you. And that'll be good both for the church, but it'll also be good for you in your home and good for you in your work life to just know how God designed you specifically for what he created you to do. And so we want you to be a part of that. I also want to echo echo uh, the I Love My City campaign that we'll be doing all the month of July. And so we'll be just kind of reaching out to Rutherford County in every way that we can. And so you'll see this a lot going on. Next week, we're going to put in your hand these cards that say, God loves you and so does Victory. And we want to uh, give you the opportunity to do something for somebody in the community and leave those cards and different things. So all month, we'll be loving our city. And then these are just some of the things you heard Pastor Brian talk about July 3rd, the Independence Day celebration. Uh, and then there's also the July 12th serve day at the food bank. That's the first time we'll do that. And so all of that is on the app, and it's also all at the Welcome Center for you to sign up. And so we've got an event outreach team that's been putting some stuff together. And so if you want to be a part of that, which we hope you will, go out there and sign up, figure out what you can do, be a part of that. And if nothing else, come Wednesday night so that we can hang together. Uh, in this season we're in, as we are a mobile church, we don't get a midweek time together. And so when events like this happen that put us together midweek, it's so much fun to be together. So if you got kids, bring them. They're going to have a blast. There's food trucks and inflatables and all kinds of stuff. 40,000 people will be there. But you don't want to miss it. You want to be a part of it. Cool? So I'm going to see every one of you there, right? Yeah, all right. We're going to have a good time. I'm ready to have a blast. Um, hey, if you got your Bibles, open to the book of James. Book of James. So it's towards the end of the New Testament, the back of your Bible, the book of James. We are going through the entire book as a church. And we've never done this before. We're kind of taking it verse by verse in this expository form. And it's been really cool for us. And so I do want to encourage you to bring your actual Bible. If you've got it on your phone, that does work. But we'd love for you to have your Bible so you can underline and highlight and all that. And if you don't have one, let us be the first people to give you a Bible. And so as you're going to sign up for everything at the Welcome Center, just tell uh, one of our Dream Team members that's serving at there. I think Jennifer's there today. She just say, hey, you know, can I have a Bible? And she knows where they are, and she'll put a Bible in your hand, and it'll be a good day for you and the entire world, right? Amen. There we go. Uh, the book of James, to give you a real quick, real quick breakdown, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He's a pastor of a church in Jerusalem. And I've always said this just to kind of catch you up. Uh, at this time, the, the, the church of the day had been uh, into persecution. And so they've spread out and they've run around and they're all meeting at these different home churches. And they all have their own pastor. And they would get these letters. And these letters we eventually took and made into the leatherback Bible. Um, but they would get these letters arriving to where they meet. And the pastor would grab the letter, open it up, he would read it. And as much as it is the Bible to us, it was the Bible to them. And so as their pastor read the letter from James, they were reading the Bible. Now, he would read all the way through it, take about 20 minutes to read through. We broke it into five chapters uh, and different sections in your Bible. And so we're not reading the whole thing, but we're going to read different parts in full, and then I'll break it down a little bit. And so today we start chapter 3. 
We have finished chapter 1 and chapter 2, and so now we start chapter 3. So I will read it, 1 through 12, and then we'll break it down. You ready? Here we go. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. All right, right? That's a good way to start that for, for me. Uh, what was going on is a lot of people wanted to do what James and uh, those men of God were doing, and he said, hey, but just because so, just it looks good, uh, just because it looks, you know, attractive, understand that there's a lot of responsibility with it. And so that's just kind of, he threw that in there. And then he says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. He said, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships for an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, and here's where we understand what James is talking about today. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All right, James, we see you, brother. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and come cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Of course not. These are, uh, uh, I can't even think of the word, hypothetical questions. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? No. Or a grapevine bear figs? No. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Lord, we ask you to take your word and make it applicable to our lives Open up our hearts and our minds to it today. Educate us today in your word. Let your spirit and presence be with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. James comes at us with a lot of intensity in these verses, right? You can tell he's very intense about this because he's taking this very seriously. I love the part where he said, all these animals are being tamed by humans and no human being can tame the tongue. I don't know how many of you have ever been to SeaWorld, but a few years ago, Darla and I got to go, and uh, we went and saw the orca whales or the killer whales in the SeaWorld as- aspect and where the people are controlling the, sea, the, the, the whales. And then I was watching a show the other day, and they, are, they have no predator. They have no natural predator. So they are like the bad boy of the world animal, and you got these little short girls about this tall telling them what to do. They are taming this animal. And it blows my mind for James to say, we can tame a killer whale. But we cannot tame that. We can't. Everybody do it. Touch your tongue. Say, we can't tame that. All right, there. That little thing. We can't tame it. And he's so intense about it. He's saying, listen, it's a big deal. He's talking to the Christians of that day saying, this is a big deal. We can't keep treating our mouths like they don't have an influence in people's lives. We need to pay attention to them. At some point, we became Christ followers, but we never got serious about our mouth. And so James says, as a human being, you and I cannot tame it, but we need help from God. Supernaturally, we can take control over our mouth. And I want to break down today the three ways James says we can do that. Number one is this. We need to do that by remembering the power of our words. 
We need to remember the power of our words. James said in those first few verses that if somebody, we all stumble in many ways, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. He said that knowing that nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. So when he says those who are able to tame their tongue without help from God, they're perfect. Well, nobody's perfect, so nobody can do it. So watch this. James is saying we are all guilty of misusing our words. So he's not pointing a finger and he's not condemning anybody. He's just saying, hey, we need to prioritize this more. We need to take this more serious because our words have power. If James was alive today, here's what he would say. He would say, how is it that we have thumbprint and facial recognition locks on our phones, but we don't have any guard on our mouth, right? Our phones, we care way more about what happens to our phones than what happens with this. And James would say, there's no way. There's no way you can just go through life without guarding this because Proverbs says this, listen, the tongue has the power of life and death. Wow. That may seem a little intense at first, but if we were honest with one another, we all have been there, right? We've all had a moment in our life where somebody spoke something to us and it gave us life. Thank you. You're beautiful. You're handsome. You have a purpose. You're really good at that. I love you. You all have had a moment where somebody has said something to you and it just lit you up. It just, it gave you life. It gave you excitement. It gave you an ability to keep moving. And likewise, we've all had somebody say something to us before that just killed us on the spot. You're ugly. You're lazy. You're never going to amount to anything. And people just say things and it just, it just gets us, showing us that there is power in what we say. And that's what it means by with our tongue, we can either choose to uplift somebody and encourage them or we can choose to kill them on the spot. I was reading this article where this photographer was taking pictures of people and what he did is he took a picture of them and then he told them they were beautiful or handsome and then he took a picture immediately. And so I had some of these examples. I thought it'd be cool to see. So this was the picture of her at first. And then he told her she was beautiful, and he took a picture, and she smiled, right? Now watch this. The next picture, this is going to be, uh, she's regular right over here on the right side. This is before. She doesn't know what's happening. And then he tells her she's beautiful, right? The third one, I think this is a guy. We, you know, look at him. There he is. He's trying to be all cool. And then the photographer said, you're handsome. And look at that little smile right there, right? He loved that. And then I like this one right here. Uh, I like her hair color, by the way. But, but look at her. She's all serious and focused, and he says, you're beautiful, and she just smiles, showing us right there the power in words. That here's somebody with just this real simple, yeah, I'm making it. And then you tell them you're beautiful and, and they light up, right? I wonder how much fun we'd have if we just tried this with people. If we just set out to say something today that was going to make somebody's life better, if that was just our goal. I'm learning something about words. I'm learning they don't even have to be true to be hurtful, right? People can say things that aren't true and it can destroy our day. I've seen words that aren't true destroy people's lives. I'm learning that words don't have to be big. I'm also learning that words don't have to be spoken by somebody I know. They can be small words spoken by a complete stranger and they can lift up my day. In 2019, words don't even have to be spoken. They can be typed, right? They don't even have to be in the same state or the same country that we're in. And so in 2019, someone can type a word from another country, be a complete stranger, and it can literally give us life or it can bring us death. Think about that. 
words are free, right? Words are free. They don't cost you a thing. You can have as many as you want. Your daily quota can be as high as you want it to be. Words are free, but it's how we use them that decides what they will ultimately cost us. Every word you've ever spoken has been free, but what you chose to say is what decided how much it would cost you. In James uh, 3, 5, and 6, he refers to the tongue as a flame. Or he says a spark, but let's just say a little flame. So this little flame is your tongue. That's not very scary, right? None of y'all are running, I noticed. Nobody got up and was like, no, don't you like that? Right, because there's not too much scary about this. But if you were me, you would know that, that something so small could be such a big deal because it was with something like this that I set my pastor's front yard on fire. Let me explain. So uh, we had a staff Christmas party, right? And at the staff Christmas party, uh, I linked up with his son, and they put us responsible for lining the driveway with these little lamps, like they were bags, and you could put like, little tea lights in them, and you could line the driveway, and when people pulled up, they knew how to walk, how to get there. And the first mistake they made was inviting me. The second mistake they made was asking me to do anything that was going to handle fire or possibly change people's life. Um, and so they put me with his son, and, and it got really bad. And so they said, here's the deal. We want you to put the tea light in the bag, light it, and then go get something heavy to weigh the bag down. And we were like, okay, no problem. So we searched all around, couldn't find anything. And we found, well, you ever seen those like really large nut and bolts? You know what I'm talking about? They're really large. We found about eight of those. And we thought, that'll do. And so we put the bags and we put the nut and bolts and we lit the tea light. And we went in and we had a fantastic Christmas party. And about 45 minutes to an hour later, there was a knock on the door. I happened to be the one who opened the door. I opened the door and it was his neighbor. And his neighbor said, um, hey, your front yard is on fire. I thought he was joking, right? It just made, so I closed the door and went and sat back down and enjoyed the Christmas party. And then it didn't matter. About two minutes later, came back, knocked on the door. This time, somebody with an intelligence level higher than mine went and opened the door, opened the door, and took him more serious. We go outside, and his entire front yard in his neighborhood has now caught on fire. The whole thing is burning because who knows, at some point, the wind came by and blew the bag over, and it caught the bag on fire, then it caught the front yard on fire. And so everybody's freaking out. I, I've never been around a yard fire before, certainly never caused one before, and so I walk into the yard, right, and I'm like, what are we going to do? And they're grabbing water hoses and they're spraying, and I'm, I'm, I'm no good. I'm standing in the yard going like, spray it, you know, I don't know what to do. And so here's the catch, in case you're ever me in the future, when grass gets burned, it, it becomes black and it's kind of sooty, right, uh, is that the word, sooty? Thank you. We're going to go with that. And so it's all over my shoes. His wife had just uh, had the carpets cleaned for this Christmas party, right? Yeah. Um, because I've never stood in a yard that was on fire before, I just walked back into the house and walked about six steps into her living room floor. And I was like, I don't know what happened. And I looked back, and you could just see six black footprints. Boom, boom, boom. My night was horrible, y'all. That was the worst night of my life. And it's all because of this little bitty flame that I had, right? All, it all started with this little bitty spark, and, and I set his entire front yard on fire. And so James is saying what we think is really not that big of a deal. Nobody freaks out when I do this. Nobody panics. When they told us to be, when they told us to be over the tea light, Satan got a sense of humor. Uh, when they told us to be over the tea light, I didn't freak out. 
because I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. Now, if I handed this to Veda or to Casey Ray, it gets a little bit different, right? So here's what James is saying. He's like, look, your tongue is like this little bitty flame. It doesn't really seem like it's a big deal, but if you don't put some responsibility on it, you're going to burn some stuff up. And he says, with our tongue, watch this, we have the ability to scorch our families. We have the ability to scorch our friends. We have the ability to scorch our jobs. I could say something, and I probably have before, I could say something from this stage one day that would cost me my entire career. Because that's the power of words. You can say something and you can burn 20-year-old relationships. You can burn 40-year-old marriages. You can say something and you can just light it on fire. And here's what I know about me, and it's probably true about you, is my excuse becomes this. I didn't mean it that way. I, I was angry. You know what I mean? I, they took it the wrong way. I, I didn't mean it. And we say these things, and what we're ultimately saying is it was an accident, right? But let me tell you something about fire. Whether or not you set it on fire by accident, you're still responsible for the damage, Right? So when it comes to this little tongue of yours, whether you meant to say it or whether you were angry or whether they misunderstood you, when you scorch those things up, you are still responsible for the damage. And this is why David ends up saying this. He says, Lord, I want you to set a guard over my mouth. I want you to set a guard. When, when I went and found this candle, it came in this pretty little thing right here. See if I can do this without dying. Nope. We need to clean that up later, Mr. Andrew. Sorry. Just two burns. Stop it. So now, now it's guarded, right? Now it's a little bit, it's not too much more protected, but, it, but it's a little bit protected. And so David was saying, set a guard over my mouth. I understand the potential it has to set some things on fire. So when it comes to my mouth, Lord, I'm going to pray that you would set a guard over it. You, you all have seen guards before. You've seen people standing there with guns. God is saying we need to guard our mouth. We need to watch because it has the ability to scorch some stuff up. So when we remember the power of our words, then we'll guard it, right? Number two is this. We need to surrender the direction of our words. So first is remembering the power that they hold. Second is surrendering the direction that they have. Now watch this. Uh, James 3, 3 through 5. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey, uh, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. So James gives us two pictures. He gives us a picture of a bit in a horse's mouth, right? So we got a picture of that for you. A bit in a horse's mouth. So in case you never know what that is, that's what that looks like. And that bit, the horse puts it under his tongue. And when somebody moves, the horse is directed, right? The next thing he gives us is the idea of a ship's rudder. And the same thing, when the pilot or uh, the captain is behind the wheel and he begins to move the rudder, the ship begins to move. So he compares our tongue to two things that provide direction, okay? He's saying these things are what direct which way the horse goes and what directs which way the ship goes. In the same way, he's saying our tongue is what directs the way our life goes, our tongue is a director, okay? Wherever you speak to is where you're going. You need to be able to see your tongue as that. Wherever you want your life to go, you need to be able to speak it to that direction, okay? Listen to me. God spoke things into existence. 
He spoke to the sun. He spoke to the stars. He spoke to mankind. He spoke to the animals. He directed them with his tongue. Lord, let there, let there be light. And with his tongue there was light. Give us animals. And with his tongue there were animals. And with his tongue there was us. And then he used his tongue to breathe into us. Or I don't know if you can breathe without your tongue. I'm going to assume you can't. Um, and breathe, and then, uh, so all with his tongue, he's creating life. We are the same way. We are created in the image of God. And so as much as God directs with his tongue, you and I direct with our tongue. Your life is directed by the tongue. Whatever it says. I heard this joke. I thought it was pretty funny. I don't normally tell jokes like this, but I was like laughing out loud when I read it, so I thought you might like it. There was these two frogs, and they were hanging out together, and they got stuck like in this quicksand type uh, stuff, and they were sinking. And these other frogs came by, and they saw them sinking, and the frogs are screaming, right? And they're trying to help, help me, get us out, get us out. And they're jumping up and down, they're stuck, trying to get out. And the other frogs who are not stuck, they see them, and they're like, we can't help you. And so they start going, just, just die, just, just stop trying to jump. And they're like getting all, they're just like, stop. And they're all, they're all you know, vocal and uh, very, very acting out what they're saying. Just stop. Stop jumping. And they keep trying to jump to get out. And they just, stop. You're exhausting yourself. Stop jumping. And finally, one of the frogs that was stuck in the quicksand says, you know what? You're right. And he stops trying to jump. And he sinks to the bottom. And he dies. Right? Sad. And then the other one keeps on jumping. And then he gets out. Right? He jumps out, he gets out of the quicksand, and he lands on ground, and he walks over to the other frogs. And the other frog said, what made you keep on trying to jump? Even though your friend died and we kept telling you not to jump, what kept telling you to jump? And he said, well, here's the problem. I'm hard of hearing. And so I thought the whole time you were encouraging me to jump. Said <laughs> so you were doing all this and your mouths were moving, I thought you were encouraging me. It just shows you the direction, Right? If we, if we tell people that they're never going to be anything, then we are directing their lives. If we tell our children that they are intelligent and they are going to be something, we are directing their lives. If we tell our spouse that she's beautiful, if we tell our spouse that she's the only one, that he's handsome and that he rocks our world and all these things, we are directing our relationship. Does it make sense? If I wake up and say, I don't have any friends, nobody likes me, I'm directing my life. You can either see it as literally walking or you can see me as in a director's chair saying cut and action. I'm directing my life with my words. And what I say is not only directing my life, but it's directing other people's lives. And I think that's very important for us to learn. I... uh. Uh, Brandon and Caitlin, they, they're, they're on the dream to go to church here. And um, me and Brandon were talking one time. And he said, uh, I've been, they have a son. Is Braylon three? Four. Braylon's four. And they have a four-year-old son named Braylon. And he likes to play Mario Kart. And he was telling me this story one day we were hanging out. And he said, yeah. He said, you know, he was playing me. And, he, he, you know, he couldn't beat me, obviously. I mean, look at Brandon. He can't play Mario Kart from here, right? He's, and so he's beating him in Mario Kart all the time. And uh, he ends up telling me this story. And I saw the video of it later. And where Braylon is playing him, and Braylon's talking to himself while he's playing. And he's going, I believe in myself. I believe in myself. I believe in myself. I believe in myself. The whole time he's playing Mario Kart, I believe in myself. I believe in myself. Guess what? He beat him. Right? I was talking to him in the gym, and Brandon's like, I can't beat him anymore. He's like, I don't know what happened. I can't even. He's four. Brandon is like Arnold Schwarzenegger in person, and he can't beat him in Mario Kart because Braylon knows he's speaking direction. 
right? It's, you're speaking it. If you want unity, you speak it. If you want divorce, then you're going to speak it. Whatever you're wanting is what you speak. Hear me. Let me ask you a question. If I was to take your words, put them up on this screen, and we as a church were to investigate them, what destination are you speaking? Where are you going based off of what you're saying? Let me give you a thought of how this works. We're all familiar with Siri, right? We know how Siri works. Here's what we do with Siri. We say, hey, Siri, I would like to go to 3301 Rock Springs Road, which is this middle school. All right, we put it in. We hit go. Siri then says, start going north on so-and-so, so-and-so. And And so you go. And then she goes, turn left on so-and-so, so-and-so. And And you turn left. Go three miles and then turn right on so-and-so, so-and-so. And And what is she doing? She is verbally directing you to the destination that you want to go to, right? You set the destination, and now she's telling you how to get there. This is what James is telling us about our lives, is that you and I need to decide the destination that we desire, and then we need to speak and direct ourselves to it. Does that make sense? All right? What's happening is so many of us are just speaking. There's no guard over our mouth. We're just talking. We're just gossiping. I had a girl come up to me one time in the lobby recently, and she walked up, and she said, Pastor Troy, I got some tea for you. And I was like, sweet tea? Because that's the only thing I know. When you say tea, I'm from the South, I assume sweet tea. She said, no, tea is the word for gossip. It's like, why are we doing that? There's not even a tea in gossip, right? Well, how, how do we even, you know, I don't, I don't even make no sense to me. But look, we're, we're deciding what direction we go with our tongue. Do we want to hurt people? Do we want to uplift people? Do we want to be something or do we not? Do we want our family to be healthy or do we not? Whatever you speak is what you are going to direct in your life. And so James is saying, listen to me, church. Pick your destination first. Where do you want to go? You want a healthy marriage? Okay. You want to be financially stable? Okay. You you, want to be knowledgeable in the word of God? Okay. You want to have the dream of your job or the job of your dreams? Okay. What, what, what do you want? What do you want? And whatever you want, whatever that destination is, decide it, apply it, and then start speaking your direction to it. Right? Y'all feel like I'm loving this way more than y'all are taking this, all right? Maybe y'all aren't awake this morning, but I'm a little confused. Because when we start to understand the power of our words and our, in, and our ability to speak ourselves to it, I think you can speak yourself healthy. I believe it. Oh, I just don't feel good. You don't? No, I'm, I'm just not healthy. I'm never going to feel good. Right? You're just speaking yourself worse and worse and worse and worse. It's amazing how many people have spoke themselves into deliverance, spoke themselves into freedom, spoke themselves into a relationship, spoke themselves out of a relationship. You are speaking and directing yourself. And James says, for some reason, as Christians, even though the God that we love and serve was speaking things into existence, we have lost the value for this thing. And so we don't put any guard over it. We don't put any watch over it. We don't put any kind of uh, accountability to it. And we just let it fire off wherever it wants to fire off. And we think it's not that big of a deal. Oh, it was just a few words. I was angry. I shouldn't have said that, right? How many, yeah, I have, how many times, I shouldn't have said that. Not understanding that I was directing lives and the intensity of it. In Proverbs 18, 21, where it talks about the power of our tongue, or our tongue has the power of life and death, it says something else. It says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay, let me give you an illustration. 
that this, this, this illustration alone was worth the price of admission, okay? Like this, this, this right here should sink with you forever. Your words are seeds, okay? You got it? Every word you speak, every yes, no, hello, you dumb, you smart, you pretty, you ugly, all those, they're seeds. And every time you speak them, you plant them. And watch this. You're not necessarily planting it in their life. You're just planting them, okay? Every time you speak, you're planting them. And you can either plant rotten seeds or you can plant fresh seeds. It's up to you. You're just, you're planting them. And so, so as, you, as you plant them, then eventually those seeds produce fruit, okay? So whatever, whatever seed you have sown, and James is going to talk about this in, in the third point a little bit more, Whatever seed you've sown, so if you have sown fresh seed, then you are going to produce fresh fruit. If you sow rotten seed, you're going to produce rotten fruit. What he will go on to say, and it's pretty simple, is this. You cannot sow fresh seed and produce rotten fruit. You also can't, see, can't sow rotten seed and produce fresh fruit. Okay? So in other words, when we speak down to people... There's no chance that that's going to be a positive thing. Now, let me show you where the confusion is. Right now, you're like, duh, Troy, I get it. Here, here's how we think our words work. We think that we are producing the fruit that other people have to eat. So when I'm producing zucchini that you got to eat, is this zucchini? When I'm producing zucchini that you got to eat, I don't really care, right? If I produce fresh zucchini, enjoy, Caesar. And if I produce rotten zucchini, sorry, I didn't mean it. You just took it wrong. Maybe you should lighten up, right? I was just joking with you. Sometimes I say things, my bad, I'm angry. Sorry, I had a bad day, you know what I mean? And we're just in here. And the whole time I'm thinking, you're eating it, so it's not a big deal. And here's what Proverbs is telling you. The seed that you sow... And the fruit it produces, they are not the ones that eat the fruit. You are. Now, that's different. So now you're telling me that whatever fruit is produced out of the words I speak is ultimately what I'm going to consume. What I'm telling you and what that means is that as your life moves forward, the words you speak direct where you go. And so what you say, yes, it's going to hurt people, but it's not even so much about them. It's the understanding that it has the potential to hurt you. And so when James says this to the church, see, the confusion was always that he was telling the church, we need to be careful how we treat other people. And, and, and he was saying that. But James was saying it's bigger than that. It's so much bigger than that. Yes, you're going to impact other people, but the grace of God can always allow them to recover. But you're also directing your personal life. You're directing where you're going. And then he gives us these next few verses, and man, it's powerful. And, and I, hold off on point three because I'm going to put it up last. Go ahead and give me those last few verses. I shook you a little bit there, Miss Erica. I'm sorry. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and our Father, and with it, we curse human beings 
So that's the person who's like, ah, what was the song? Uh, what was it in the song? Build my life. What's she wearing? You see what she wearing? Upon a rock. Man, he, what, what's he doing here with her? You know what I mean? That's what he's talking about. Like you're praising the Lord, you're cursing human beings. Who have been made in God's likeliness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. Now watch this. My brothers and sisters, this cannot be. This cannot be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? No. He's asking that already knowing the answer. No. And can a fig tree bear olives? No. And can a grapevine bear figs? No. You can't produce salt water and fresh water at the same time. In other words, and as a parent, I'm speaking for a parent, I can't put down other people and speak life into my kids. It doesn't work that way. I can't praise God and then at the same time uh, uh, kill with my words his creation. I, I told y'all a few, few Sundays back about a friend of mine who called me and he, he was apologizing for an offense that he thought I had said something bad about him and that was wrong and all that. We talked it through. And one of the things I told him was this. I said, brother, I'm trying to build a church. I planted a church just like you. And you think I'm going to talk bad about your church and then ask God to bless mine? It doesn't work that way. I don't get to talk bad about other people's kids and then ask God to bless mine. I don't get salt water and fresh water out of the same thing. And so James is saying, church, listen, and I know this is a little bit deeper than I normally am and a little bit, little bit harsher than I normally am, but this is so serious because at some point we quit thinking this was a big deal. You know what I mean? And we just let it run free and do whatever it wants and talk about that person. And there are people in this room who have been literally hurt to the core by something someone said that was stupid. But they didn't guard this. So James is saying, this is serious. So start remembering the power it has. Start surrendering the direction that it goes. Let God direct it. And then pray and ask God to supernaturally help you. And here's point three. Confess that you need help taming it. God, I need help. I need help. Right? Remember what James started off with. The only person that can tame it is perfect. If you're perfect, raise your hand. All right, just making sure. So none of us can tame it on our own. So James says, you need supernatural help to be able to contain this. And I want to give you a prayer, and I'm going to give you an acronym to pray through that's going to be able to help you do just that. I'm going to give you the most applicable sermon you've ever had at Victory Church. That when you leave out of here, you're not leaving out of here with hope of one day I hope I talk better. Because the truth is, you're not. This is going to be the process you put into place when you are waking up every morning and speaking. Here's the verse that we're going to pray. Sorry, that, that James 3 is not the verse. I'm sorry. Uh, put that psalm verse on there for me. There we go. Miss Erica, you are a rock today. You're killing it. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Now, let's break that down. May the words of my mouth, may everything I say, and the meditation of my heart, because where do my words come from? Right? Out of the mouth comes the heart. By pleasing, let it be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock, my redeemer. So when you get ready to speak and you want to guard your mouth 
and you want to direct your life and other people's lives, you want what you say to be pleasing to God. And here's the acronym you're going to walk through. Every time you go to say something, number one, is it profitable? In other words, is it helpful? Is what you're about to say going to be helpful? Now listen, sometimes criticism is good, right? I'm not saying that you have to be, you know, walking in the daisies all the time. But is it helpful? Is it profitable? Do you have relationship equity with the person before you say it, right? Because there's things I can say to Jamal that I might not say to you because me and Jamal have been together for 150 years, and so I can say things like that, okay? But is the, is the relationship there so it can be profitable? Next, after if it's profitable, is it loving? Is it kind? Is what you're about to say seem like you like the person when you said it, right? Next, is it encouraging? Is it inspiring? Is it uplifting? Is that person going to walk away from you and feel better about themselves because you said it? Next, this is my favorite one. Is it authentic? Is it true? Can we just make a commitment to just quit, quit saying stuff that ain't true? I'm a big sports guy, and it's amazing now with social media is they can put leaks out there, and it looks real, but it's not. People will get on and say, I'm hearing so-and-so, so-and-so, and millions of people will run with it, but it's not true. Can we just stick to what's true and what's authentic? Next. Is it spirit-led? Did you pray about it before you said it? I've never gone to a meeting in my life without praying in my car before I went into the meeting. Because there's Troy, and then there's the, the, the agenda that God has. And I want to make sure that anything I say is going to be spirit-led. It's going to be of God. And then last, is it empathetic? Is it, is it, is it grace? Is it mercy? So leave, leave those up for me, Miss Erica. From this point forward, church, as, as we start talking to people, let, let me talk for a second, and then I promise I'm almost done. Parents, and man, I'm preaching to me. Oh my goodness, y'all, I'm preaching to me. Then, then before you speak to your kid again, before you say it, ask yourself, is it pleasing to the Lord? Is it profitable? Is it loving? Is it encouraging? Is it authentic? Is it spirit-led? Is, it empathy? Uh, is there empathy? Before you talk to your boss, is it pleasing? Before you talk to your employee, is it pleasing? Before you talk to the person in traffic beside you, is it pleasing? Before you talk to the restaurant waiter who hadn't got you a refill in 20 minutes, is it pleasing? Right? Before you talk to the person at the restaurant who messed your food up, is it pleasing? Before you talk to the person that's scaring you, that, 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 that has cut you off, or, or at Kroger, they don't walk in front of you and not even respected the fact that you were in line, before you say something, these are all things I struggle with, before you say something, is it pleasing? Does that make sense? I, I feel like it's a little simple this morning, but I feel like we need to hear it. Because at some point, we, we, we quit taking this serious. And David thought it was serious, and James thought it was serious, and Paul thought it was serious, and Christ thought it was serious, and they all said, hey, you need to make sure that what comes out of here is pleasing to the Lord. And what non-Christians do, I can't change. But what Christians should do is we should be different in the way we use our tongue. We should be different in the way that we speak about people. And every time a word comes out of our mouth, it should be pleasing to the Lord. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the journey that James has taken us on. And Lord, I just thank you for the conviction this morning, for the stepping on of my toes, 
for James saying, hey, hey, we're, we're all guilty, but can we just be, can we make it more of a priority that we watch what we say, that we take accountability onto our, onto our words and into our mouth? And I pray right now for us as a church, Lord, that the people of Victory Church, that we're going to do our best to make sure that our words are pleasing to you. Help us to be better parents. Help us to be better spouses. Help us to be better friends. Help us to be better coworkers and bosses and Christians. That when we speak, the words that come out of our mouth are pleasing. I pray you would remind us of the power they have. That we either can choose to speak life or death. And that we'll choose to speak life. And that you'll remind us that we are directing where we go. And that we will decide that destination. And we'll speak ourselves into that direction. May every word be pleasing to you. I pray that for each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said.